This this is the draft season podcast. I am Young Raz coming live from Queens, New York, as I often do. I'm with my player partner, Sean 5K. Talk to him. You know, we in the building, man. Glad to be back for another celebrating this Black History Month. About to get into this Black Talk, all of, whatever that might be. We're going to get into it today. And, you know, it, it is Black History Month, so we do got to let everyone know that this is on um, Black Twitter's number one. Number one, let's emphasize that. Number one, draft season, fantasy, entertainment podcast. I, I, nobody really fuck with us. We don't really toot our own horn too often, but I decided we should do that because it is, it is Black History Month. My boy Sean back there with the floral arrangements and shit at the at the at the florist. Ladies. Shout out everybody on the press. Fellas, also fellas, fellas, you know, if you need something, hit him for the low. Yeah, because this is, <laughs> this, is bad, this is bad radio right now. Because if you listen to the podcast, you can't see what I'm talking about. But if you're on the periscope, you can see my man is is floral out right now. But Ready, um, bro. we gonna we're gonna jump straight into it. I mean, it's been a while since we touched round ball. Um, shout out to Rios. He was on our last basketball episode. I was driving the whip, so y'all didn't hear much of I. But uh, we're going to start off with, like, these rookies, man, because early on, you know, we was hearing a lot of chatter about the rookie class not being good. Um, me and Sean, for once, we we, we kind of was – we were kind of bullish on this class because we, we saw a lot of talent in it. We saw that there was players that were going to be able to step in and help teams right away. We weren't certain how many stars there were, but we, we saw we saw the potential in a lot of these players that they were NBA-ready. Um, Sean, let me know, you know, off the top of your head, you know, any of your notes. Who are your favorite rookies right now? Yeah, man. Yo, like you like you said, man, it, it kind of – the rookies got a raw shake coming into this year, man. Like, it was the, it was the weirdest draft cycle ever. It was literally a year of, of watching that last class before they got into the draft. So, by the time, you know, the pandemic hit and before we actually got when the actual draft was about to start, people was just tired of – of what, where LaMelo's going to go. People didn't see James Wiseman. And then obviously guys like uh, Anthony Edwards had his sus, you know, tape that he put on film at at, um, at Georgia. So, yeah, man, pe- people was tired of this class. But like you said, we said we said this earlier when we did some of the, the draft breakdown about how this is going to be a beauty. Um, this draft is going to be a beauty in the eye of the beholder uh, type of spectacle. You know, it, we didn't necessarily have the, the future, you know, future all-star guys that, you expect to find litter inside of the top 10 in the lottery, but it was a lot of solid serviceable guys that have, you know, long guys that you can expect to have long careers ahead of them. Um, even, even working our way down your, your guy, you know, let's start off with, you know, a, a Michigan state boy, Xavier Tillman, bro. Like every time he's on the floor, he just looks competent, big for, for a guy does everything. He moves his feet. Well, um, some of you always love to see from a big man, soft, soft touch, you know, when he gets to his, um, his post game and everything, and and you know a presence on defense. So you gotta love somebody like Xavier Tillman just walking in, and it, obviously our guy that uh, Desmond Bain as well, who just does not miss open shots. The most brolic, the most brolic spot up shooter in NBA history. I mean, he just all he does, <laughs> all he does is traps, bro. Like no nothing else. Traps, chest, that's it. All chest, no legs. Yeah, no, like, I've never seen him miss a shot. I, like, I've never seen it. <laughs> Yeah, what's, what's Bain at? Bain, Bain shooting 47% from three right now. And, like, if you watch what he did at TCU, it's not really surprising because that boy had to strap on him even even in college, you know, um, shooting off spot-ups and moving off, shooting off emotion. Um, that guy is just ridiculous. Uh, who, who else is on this list of rookies that surpress you? For, for me, I mean, we start, we, start, we won't even bury the lead. You know, Halliburton, 
You know, Halliburton's been playing out of his mind, and he's a utility knife that we all saw. I mean, I won't say all, but me and you, we saw we saw that coming out of the draft. You know, it's on wax. We can go back to the lottery, the lottery episodes and all that. Like, we're like, yo, Halliburton, everybody was worried about his hitch and the shot and everything, but that hasn't proven to be an issue. Um, he could defend, he could rebound, he could pass. Like, I, I mean, you could plug him in any, any lineup. And honestly, I wanted the Knicks to take him. Um, that's no slight to Obi Toppin. I just didn't see Obi Toppin was going to be a tweener that whole time, and he needs a real role. Like he need, like he's not plug and play. He has to have something around him to make it work. I would have yeah. loved to see Halliburton and quickly together, man. That might have been special. Yo, man, nah, like like you said with, with Halliburton, you know the his his fit towards contributing towards winning basketball was ob- always obvious. You could always tell he had the the instincts to do to play that that off ball. Um, secondary, like just guy that that uh, calming presence on the offense always makes the right play, and on defense is always just terrorizing guys. He always had that, but I think I think we touched upon son um during one of those draft breakdowns, which I think it it was hard since we didn't see these guys for for seven eight months in that time between um COVID shut down the the, the college basketball season, but before they started playing basketball again, you know it's going to be some guys who had you know unforeseen developments, guys who took you know, whether it's a humble step, but sometimes a humble step can lead you to unlock that next level um, in, in your game. And, and with Halliburton, just just his comfort taking that, taking those threes, it's even something that he improved on since since we saw what he did at Iowa State. Because that guy is just letting it fly. Looking on, um, touching on the fantasy tip for a little bit, in the last 30 days for Halliburton, he's been the 19th ranked guard, which is just great production if you can get that out of him early in the season. Averaging was he's at 12.5 boards and four assists, 48% um field goal percentage, 44% from three, 80%, 86% from field goal percentage. I mean, free throw, pardon me. So, yeah, man, Halliburton has been awesome. And, you know, it's all it's all repeatable stuff for him. Nothing that he's doing right now is, is you know, nothing that he can't uh, continue to do as he ages as a player. Um, So, you know, like, and, and fit, you know, the Kings have been, one of the better stories in the league this year, um, especially lately. Um, I mean, like I said, the Darren Fox. Like yeah, I mean, Rashawn Holmes. Like those are players that like Holmes is finally healthy. He's taking that step where he he looks like he's here to stay. Like you know that that team just has the pieces. I, I, but like to even go back to Halliburton, it's like you see him now. He looks like the person that the coach is going to go with to close games. Like you know, Buddy Hill has kind of fallen out of that that closing that closing rotation. And I think that's just a testament to the the growth of Halliburton since we last saw him at Iowa state to where he is now. Yeah, man. Now. So like, like I said, with Fox, man, I think every time, every time I watch Fox, I just, every time I watch Fox, the number one thing that, that pops up in my head is, you know, the, the importance of, of that, that killer first step. You see it on display with, with, with the Aaron Fox. First of all, that guy, you know, we could we could we could we could have the conversation about who's the fastest player in the league right now. You know what I'm saying? But we're only gonna go through a couple guys before Swiper Swiper's name gets into that discussion because it's not you know his type of speed is he has he has first percentile speed. He's he's one of the quickest in the league, 99 percentile, however you want to look at it. But that dude is impossible to stay in front of, and you know he has a, he has a growing confidence in his game, and that's kind of been. You know what's been so impressive about his next leap. You know what's he's at uh, over the last thirty days. He's at twenty four point seven seven assists on forty nine percent field goal percentage, and he's shooting thirty six percent from three. So that's another great step that you 
Jonathan receipt from Fox. Um, that pull up, you know, you, you even even with, huh? You think that's sustainable for Fox though? I think like, I think I think um from from three to three is definitely going to be what it's going to be um to watch over a full season because he's had um I believe it was not last year but the year before he he flashed. Um, some of his new his his three point shooting and it kind of regressed over the past like year and a half since um he had a good stretch so that's definitely something we're gonna have to watch to see where that settles in, but I think with Fox I kind of always did expect him to get to a solid three point shooting eventually, um because I think we, we when we talk about these three level scores three level scores is that's that's gonna be the thing that that scouting guys and and when we talk about the best guards in the league that's gonna be that trope that they get to are you a three level scorer can you score from the outside the mid-range, and at the basket. And so I think with Fox, you know what I'm saying, he always had a good touch in the mid-range, um, particularly he always had a killer floater game, which he always got to. Um, that was that was the bread and butter at, at UK. Um, couldn't really stop him from getting to that, that uh, his mid-range bag. And, you know, if you have that bag, I can kind of trust you to, to, to actually develop that outside range a little bit more than the guys who struggle from the mid-range game. And um, with, even without pulling it up, I just know Fox is always killed in that mid-range game. So I think, yeah, I think I do think the three-point is something that, you know, is he going to stay at 36%? But all he needs to, if he's at league average on on that that three points, on, on just shooting, um, what's it called, spot-ups, you know, that's gonna, it's going to be tough to stop somebody like Fox. But, you know, he's so fast that, you know, even he had a play. I, I clipped this. I clipped that play because he was like, I remember watching it live, man. It's just like, you got somebody like Ben Simmons who has some of the best, you know, for, for whatever you want to say about a Ben Simmons, that dude, that dude is one of the most like ag- agile gifted big man in the league. Like he moves left to right. No better. There's not a lot of big men who can move their feet. Like, like Ben Simmons can. And we, and you know, we saw forget, Ben Simmons trying to, we forget yeah, we always seen, him like he's a guard, you know, everybody gives him that flack. Like he doesn't play, you know, he, he's not shooting the ball. Right. But he's not shooting he's the ball. Strong, bro. He's secure. Yeah. He's, he moves, he moves like a guard. He moves like a guard. So, like you seen you seen Ben trying to slide his feet to stay with Fox, and he and he stumbled, he stumbled over his own feet trying to stick up with Fox. And it shows you, you know, how good he is. Uh Fox, you know, shot to shot. It seems like Fox, uh De'Aaron Fox was motivated by uh the slander that he got his way <laughs> at the beginning of the season when he said he's no job Morant now. We can have that discussion. I feel like that's an amazing discussion to have. Yo, my group chat, uh, we just had that we just had that argument, bro. And I'm it's like job versus De'Aaron is one of those arguments I'm looking forward to for the next five years. Because it's a heavyweight bout. It's yeah, a heavyweight bout. Because Ja Ja continues to to expand his shooting because finishing, they both can finish both hands at the rim. They both have the mid-range game. They both can they both finishing, condition. Yeah, finishing it, yeah. changing their body in, in air. And it's all, all type saying, of acrobatics. It's all about staying healthy and, and picking their spots. And I think for the next five to seven years, an argument for Fox versus Ja is going to be one of the like the, those that that's going to be you know if Twitter's still out here booming like that's what we're going to be arguing on Twitter. That's going to be on the blogs like it's just like Ja versus De'Aaron. But to pivot um, to to another rookie, you know that you know was very hyped coming into it. Um, He's just proven to be a fun guy, man. Like he's fun to watch. Like I, he has me watching those JV games because you know the Hornets come on at six o'clock Eastern time. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they always, they always the first one to tip off. But Lamelo, man, Lamelo, Lamelo was fun to watch, man. Like he, it was sloppy at first, you know, not sloppy, more so a little careless and a little, 
adapting to the speed of the game, but now he's caught up and the skill is there. Everything is there. To, like he, he, the flair. Him and Miles Bridges is showtime. Like he throw anything up to Miles Bridges. <laughs> Miles Bridges is catching it. It's like oh. I, I don't know. Like I don't know what else they need because they're not a good team. Like they're not good at all. But they're one of those teams you can't not watch. Yeah, yo, <laughs> and and like I said, the the real star of the of the of the Hornets. We got to give a shout out to to Eric Collins because that man. That man is a, a, a league pass star. Like it's not. It's not the, the announcer. That, right? Like I tune. I tune in for Eric Collins. Like the same way I tune in to watch LeBron or whoever it is my favorite players run. I tune in to watch Eric Collins because that dude makes. Yo, you would think Hornets. Like I mean, Hornets basketball has to be one of the most exciting things in the world right now. Like yeah, with the right. way Lamelo has those guys and and yeah, like we did say. Like even even uh, it's a, the team isn't good. Like they can still use like if they can get somebody like an Evan Mobley in this next draft to go with what they have another another big man who has like like plus plus potential for for uh for them with them it, it would be it'll be ridiculous to watch like what 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 the Hornets have but but yeah man Lamelo has been absolutely ridiculous I think um uh, James Borrego got a lot of you know heat for for the for his handling of Melo and it's a fine line because. You know, I, I don't I, it's not something to where we're calling for Borrego's job at the moment. Um, but he he's actually trying to coach Lamelo, something that Melo didn't have. So it's it's a fine line to where being being hard on Melo and, and, and making him earn his minutes is something that you want to do with young players so they don't they don't seem coddled, they don't seem like everything is gonna be like throwing at their footsteps. You want to see those guys earn that. So so yeah, Melo has you know, and but the thing with Melo is you always want to be careful with that because his type of creativity is not to be like it's not to it's not something that you want to like take away from him. That's what makes him special. That's what makes the team so fun and and just on a budding level. Looking at uh, where, where is he at? His last thirty game. Uh, let, let's take. I mean, his last like two and a half weeks, basically since uh, I believe it was Rosier's injuries sent him into the starting lineup. Melo's at basically since he took that job over twenty points, five boards, and seven assists. Um, 49% from the field, 36% from three, 91% field goal percentage. Um, even looking at his rim finishing, which I think is one of the um one of my one of the bigger uh question marks for Melo and how good of a player he's gonna be is gonna be how well he finishes around the rim. Um, it is gonna be, you know, if he's one of those people who can, you know, as he gets stronger, can take contact in the rim, a la somebody like Luka Doncic who does that better than basically nobody in the league outside of like LeBron and, and company um, taking contact and finishing through the rim, uh, like over guys using his six, eight frame to finish. If he's doing that, like he has not only like, I think the all-star potential is, is evident, but if he starts doing that, then we're talking real superstar potential. And um, over, yeah, over the last uh, three weeks for Melo, he's been uh, 66% out the rim. So that's 59%, 57 um makes for 98 attempts so i think that's that's flashing a solid around the rim profile for Melo. so so like like i said he, he's just been so much fun um his live dribble has just been ridiculous i think that's kind of the biggest difference and he <laughs> what did her say her say he, he's putting he's putting lonzo into depression i mean like i mean it's it it lonzo, lonzo, lonzo been playing all right though lonzo been playing all right. he's Lonzo's been Lonzo, like for like for everything Lonzo isn't. It's been everything that he has been the whole time. So it's just like it's it's hard to like like Lonzo. Lonzo goes through these peaks and valleys to where, you know, sometimes the shooting is there, sometimes it's not. 
the floor game is always going to be his floor game. That's consistent with him, you know. Yeah. But yeah, man, like Lamelo, and I think like the the big the big difference with Melo is you just see how his live dribble is so crazy, man. Like he gets to wherever he wants on the court. His dribble is tight. He does whatever he wants with his dribble, man. Like he's yeah. not like you can you can get up in his face and it's not going to stop him from doing what he wants to do. He's going to set you up, but he has a counter for everything. He knows he knows where exactly he wants to go with his bag to get into that one dribble pull up little floater game that he loves. So yeah, man, that that dude looks like a pro, and and you know just to talk about he get any shot he want, like and that's that's the scary that's a scary thing as a what is he six seven six eight still growing like if he keeps growing he keeps growing at the point guard position like we're not talking about because he's what nineteen if that. Like he's like 19, 20 years old. Like he he could still hit another growth spurt, man. And if we're sitting here talking about yeah. being a six ten with that handle, the shot, and that and that 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 vision, like that's basically what these nerds wanted Ben Simmons to be, right? Like that, that's that's legitimately at that point. That's what it, you know. So it's just like at that point, it's it gets scary. Like the potential on Lamelo plus the actual reality of what we're seeing right now. Is out of control, but I mean to take it take it back up north. There's a rookie worth talking about, and you know he plays for the hometown Knicks. Um, and Emmanuel Quigley, you know that draft pick was was graded very poorly by a lot of publications. I saw C plus, D plus, kind of kind of ratings for that, and they had him in the second round, and they basically profiled the kid as a as a spot up shooter. In these twenty plus games, he's proven to be a lot more than that. Um, I think he has a, a bit a bit of a way to go as a playmaker. You know, like the dime work. I mean, and his like his athleticism is pretty limited, but for what he has, he has a floater and he has a jump shot and he has an escape dribble. So he's been a very useful piece for the New York Knicks right now because they don't have any shooting and they don't have any secondary ball handlers. Yeah, man. Shout, shout out to um, shout out to our guy um, Nick, a friend of the show, who, who's on our uh, man. We asked him just a random guy to, to look out for that you can see, you know, having some more potential than than they've shown or or to out or to outproduce their draft slot. And and yeah, man, quickly's been such a fun story for for the Knicks. Even looking at some of his his statistics, like he hasn't he hasn't gotten the leash. Um, tips haven't let him uh, run wild yet. But even in the in the limited minutes that he has so far. For combo guard, like his um his combo guard, uh, his assist percentage 70, 75th percentile, twenty five percent, twenty five percent assist percent percentage, which is pretty like impressive because, like you said, he's not the best facilitator, but he has he's shown you he's not he can always make the the simple pass and he yeah. he's flashed a, a really good skip pass um and like I said the um the synergy between quickly RJ and and um. And Julius Randle has been so impressive this year, man. That's been the next. That, that's been the Knicks' best three man lineup, and yeah, for a fact. you know it's kind of been. What was that? No, I said for a fact, like that lineup. That yeah, lineup yeah. Worked. So it's been it's been interesting. It's been interesting to see how uh, quickly how 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 quick not put no pun intended. He's he's taken to this role and and starting to steal more minutes. Even um looking at some of his points for shot attempts because we know about the float the floater is has been insane if you watch what he did at kentucky that was always a shot that he had in his bag um and you could tell like that's just something that he's practiced at his points per shot attempt leaves him in the 64 percentile right now which is a that's another good cursor for for a young guy so i think 
Yeah, man. Like you said, you, you talked about it. You know, not to not we're not gonna we're not gonna shit on on Obi too much because yeah, he hasn't even gotten a lot of minutes to yeah. to be able to to fail yet. He's just kind of been you know playing around ten to fifteen minutes a game. But yeah, man, a, a backcourt of of of, of Halliburton and quickly, you know, they kind of do play to each other's strengths. So that'd have been interesting. But like you said, the way Halliburton's playing, it's not just a Knicks thing that they passed up on him. Because anybody, yeah, any anybody, anybody inside of the, even the top four, we could say you probably should have taken somebody like him. So if you if you want to play the if you want to play the you know the pretend game, we could do that with anybody, especially with the way Halliburton's playing right now. Yeah. So the answer you Hirsch, uh quickly is not over Halliburton right now. We would love him to be, but Halliburton is playing out of his mind right now, man. Um, but shout out, that's no that's no knock on quickly either, because Halliburton's oh, getting Halliburton's definitely getting a longer leash. Um, and in terms of a Rose quickly backcourt this year, um, I mean, I think that's going to be interesting. I think that's probably their best, their best offensive lineup from that one, two spot, um, you know, a lineup of probably Rose quickly, RJ Barrett, Randall, and whichever center you want to throw out there, Mitch, Nerlens, Taj, whoever's not in foul trouble, basically, I think, <laughs> I think would be a, a pretty good lineup for them offensively. I don't know what it looks like defensively. I think that's the part that scares me because quickly, quickly on twos, rolls on two. Like I, they, they might have issues guarding people. So I think even for for a quick little reset, uh, while while we are on the uh, the Knickerbocker, shout out to uh, Blue Wire Hustle family, my guy Jay Sandy in the building. Um, in the comments, shout out to him. Um, but just to talk about the talk about the Knicks for a second because they the steam has felt fallen off a little bit. Um, I believe they're at 11 and 15, which is still, you know, respectable for the Knicks. And you love to see that. You love to just be able to tune in to the Knicks and be like, okay, this is a respectable team we're watching. And that's been the refreshing aspect of, of the Knicks so far um, to watch them on a daily basis. But, you know, like, so I think the interesting thing about the Rose trade is what exactly do we make of the Knicks trade, like this trade? Because, you know, I, I I still I still struggle with what you've seen from the Knicks because I don't necessarily think you know trying to get you know trying to fake themselves into the playoffs probably isn't the, the best thing for this team in the long term. So like the like the, is Rose a, 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 an upgrade? Yes, I, I suppose he is. Uh, my other question is what's going on with Frank? Um, I mean, somebody please free Frank if 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 Tibbs ain't gonna play him, you know, I, I guess it's just not gonna happen and. Um, in the garden for him, and he hasn't really been in the rotation uh, this season. Neither has Dennis, and they, they went out and shipped him out. So I would love to see somebody else who has, you know, has that scoring, that score first type combo guard who can handle the, the offensive uh, load, try and steal Frank, as as guys have been saying for years. But yeah, man, so what do you, what do you make about this Knicks team? Because I'm like, you know, the respectability is definitely something that is going to be good for them. But you still want to end up in inside that top five, that that top ten at worst for for this Knicks team, because although we've seen you know the young guys like RJ, RJ's taking a great step, man. You know, one of the he's, he's looked amazing. Um, his shot selection definitely has 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 been cleaned up. Um, he's definitely getting to the rim. The the additional spacing around the Knicks has definitely helped RJ. Um, but you can just tell he's getting back to uh a lot of that comfort zone that you saw from RJ. Not even necessarily at Duke, because I don't even think that was the best RJ that you saw. Um, but a lot of the RJ that you saw um, with Canada on the, the FIBA under 18 national team, that's probably the best yeah. RJ you've seen. And he's looked a lot more like that RJ. So what what are you making of this direction right now with Tibbs? He still hasn't really unleashed quickly. Um, even Bullock in the starting lineup, he's there to space the floor, but he doesn't really give you much. Um, but what's your takeaway about this certain direction that they're heading in right now? 
Um, I don't. Know. I know he got a. He has a hard on for his old players. So I kind of took it with a with a with a grain of salt with, with the rose thing an upgrade. But it's like, what's next? Do we are we trading Alfred Payton? Like, are we gonna get a pick a second round pick for him? Like, like our first maybe a late first if you can. Like, I don't. What's what's next? And then you know I'm seeing reports like where they're talking about they might go get a they might go get a player like they might go get somebody like Oladipo at the at the at the uh, deadline and it's just like what are we like three or four games under five hundred. So your ninth seed, maybe eight seed. So you'll be in like this next team. If they keep at this current pace, they'll be in the playing game, right? So like being in the play, being in the playing game, you know, I don't, what, what's what's your prospects from there? You win it, you end up the eighth seed, you get swept by the Bucks or the whoever the hell the first seed is going to be the Nets, whatever, whoever figures it out. Like you end up playing one of those. So you know, I think in a draft like this you kind of want to be in the top 10 that's not going to get you in the top 10 so i think they would have to make a lot a lot more moves to make it worth it um you know this year if they're going for it but i mean is this the year for the knicks to go for it like i don't know nah, i don't see, see that that's that's my that's my thing because if you want to talk about rebuilding the knicks have the knicks are always in this position and the, the the most frustrating aspect of it for 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 knicks fans as they're watching the knicks is that the Knicks, they can go through this process where it's just like, okay, we're, we're in the process of rebuilding. All right, so we're going to get as much young players, guys with good contracts. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can – we can. I, I always want to say this because people think you – know, there's been a lot of people saying this about how the Knicks won a Porzingis trade. I'm going to say slowly roll on that one. We still have to see what comes from those picks. We still have to see what happens for – Um, I believe there there's more assets that have to come out on the, the other pick uh, from, from Dallas, I believe, or – I know there's a pick this year for sure, but you know, we still have to see more about how that ends up and it could go either way to be honest. And like I said, the Knicks deserve more credit for the Julius Randle signing. Cause if we're going to talk about Julius Randle playing at an all-star level this year, you know, that's, he, he showed this to another extent what he did in New Orleans. So we shouldn't be too shocked. And last year it was just a clunky fit around him. Um, but that's a, that was a really good signing for the Knicks. So if you want to say that was a great move, I will give you that. The problem, like I said, with the Knicks is, they love skipping steps of the rebuild and that ends up lowering your, your ultimate upside at this point. So that's the frustrating part. So you like saying, you know, if the Knicks and again to the, you know, making another trade, you know, to, if there's like a mandate or, or we want to make the playoffs this year, you know what I'm saying? You can, you don't want to mortgage the future for this year. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the ultimate, that's the, that's the biggest red flag about, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what the Dibs thing was. And even though Dibs bought the respectability to the Knicks, it's, it's rough because if, if we know why Thibs as a GM was a bad idea, we saw exactly why it didn't work in, 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 uh, in, in, uh, in Minnesota and you see it with guys like Stan Van Gunn, you see it with guys like Doc Rivers, those type of guys, when they have a, a, a say on, on the team's actual moves, they only care about today. They don't care about, 2022 2023 when the Knicks might actually have a real window to to build around RJ and and Mitch Robinson and and quickly and whoever they get in the first round this year. So that's my only thing with the Knicks. You know, they they have no patience at all. So like they are in the be- things get things can get better for the Knicks and they can still shoot themselves in the foot. That's the frustrating part about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're in the middle of the rebuild right now. Um they're still at the beginning of the rebuild. I I you see even if they think like they're, they're close I think, to the beginning. I, I feel I feel personally they're in the middle um, just because of – I mean, it could – like you said, it could be the tips thing, right? 
it just could be the way that this team plays. Like, I think they like going forward. If if you're looking at this team in 2023 and they make no more deals, like they just continue to hold the course. They draft with the four picks. They what do they have? They have two picks this year. Yeah, they got the Dallas pick and they got their own pick, and then they got they got another pick next year. So it's just like you get these picks and you make something of it. Right. What's the best case scenario in 2023 if they stand pat at the trade deadline and this this offseason? Like, what's your best case scenario? Because at the current juncture, like the Knicks are going to be like a temp seed. Realistically, if we're being honest, they're going to be a temp seed. So what, yeah. what is, what's, the, what's the best case scenario? See, but that's, the, that's the thing. If we're, if we're looking at the Knicks, like. You know, like Julius Randle signed for one more year after this one. So if you want to talk about like trades, as 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 amazing as Julius has been, if you want to talk about trades on a contract like that, like he's his value is highest. Like it's going to be the highest at this trade deadline right now since he has a year remaining. Is Julius Randle on the next great Knicks team? I I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of up to them. So I don't I don't know if his value to the team is as a future piece, which I would respect with how he's playing right now. But, you know, his value to the team, if you want to talk about collecting assets, it's possible that if you get another piece, you can still, whether it's keeping your cap space available. And and we spoke about this in the past about do you want to pay? You know, you have Obi Toppin on a first round pick for the next three years on a rookie scale deal. Do you want to pay somebody like you can't you don't want to have Obi on that first round pick and pay Julius and then pay Mitch. Mitch Robinson, too. That's kind of a bad allocation of, of resources if you're going to go down that road. So even if we talk about that, outside of RJ and, and Quickly, which, you know, two guys who are going to be on that backcourt for the Knicks in the future, what else are you really building around? So, like, you have you have Mitchell, and, and I say Julius is a question mark if he's on the next great team. So I still think they are they should be in asset collection mode because, I, I like, Kevin Knox isn't the wing that you're going to need. Um, Quickly is more of an undersized guard type. So you're going to need the wing on this next iteration of the Knicks team is super important, whoever that's going to be. Um, you know what I'm saying? This is a this is a draft. This next draft is going to be loaded with intriguing two-way wings. The most, you know, that's, that's gold in the NBA, especially in scouting. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes with the Knicks. They're building something, but they're not there yet. And, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how, like, how quick that next step they take is. Um, but, yeah, man, the Knicks are in an interesting spot, to say the least. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be trying to a lot of, of there's gonna be a split per usual and fracture amongst the Knicks fans on what to do next at the trade deadline. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on. But I mean, yeah, let's let's you know, we, we passed the rookies and let, let's just talk into that just from a fantasy standpoint this year because this is still a fantasy podcast. Um who are some of the players this year that have surprised you? you know, from a fantasy standpoint? Uh, surprise. Well, I mean, I think we have to start with Zach Levine. <laughs> like, Zach, Zach Levine is <laughs> Zach Levine yeah. is, is balling at a, at precipitous levels right now. Like, he he's on the mountaintop taking a step. And I always love seeing these guys who get labeled as, you know, empty stats. Those are my – because I, I love those guards. Those, those are some of my favorite guards in the league to watch. And it's just – it's just – it should be understood as a fact. Those type of combo guards, high usage guards, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to be high usage. And the reason why on, on certain teams these guys end up high usage is because, you know, a bad shot for those guys is, is still a higher quality shot for the most part than, 
you know, like 60% of, of offense you might get if you don't have a great shot maker and, and, and that type of offensive ecosystem that, that gets great offense around you. So guys like that are important. And like I said, it should be, it should be understood that you have to build around these guys properly. So we talk about, uh, we talk about the Bulls. The Bulls have, have been a respectable team, you know, night in and night out. Zach Levine, absolutely third overall fancy player right now. He's putting up 28 points a game, five boards, five assists, 51% from the field, 42% from three. I believe he's at 86%. So you got the hardest way. You got the hardest parts out of the way in the 50, 40, 90 season. He's just missing the free throws right now. You know, Zach Levine is, is, is balling at an all-star level right now. You know, he's been one of the best values, particularly where, like, you would have to take him. And it's it's all repeatable for Zach Levine. So he he's somebody who, you know, definitely at the top of the list, I think, of, of – you know, I don't even think calling him a breakout coming into the season would have been like a tepid take because we were like, I, if if you watch him, you know the guy's a, a scorer and he could fill it up. But you know, he he's what I call a, a, a wide awake breakout sleeper because yeah, man, he took his next level and it's not that surprising to me. And I guess it's one of those situations where you see the perception of this guy starting to change. But yeah, man, Zach, Zach Levine, put some respect on that on that man's name, please. Not a joke. It's not a joke. Yeah, no, he he he's real, and, and like we said on a few episodes ago, like he he just has to be in the right spot. I mean, I think once he gets to an organization that can really build around him, I think you know, or maybe compliment him where he's like the second piece. I think that team is a team that could really compete. Um, one person I want to throw out to because he's in the MVP race in my head, and that's that's um, you know, Nikolai Jokic, who who's decided that. <laughs> who's decided he wants to score this year because we we all know the type of joker that we would get. He's very okay with passing and rebounding. He'll go get his 20, but he'd rather dime and, and, and rebound. And this year he's decided that he's a scorer. And I think that's the scariest part about it because we knew he was capable, but we didn't know. I, I, I'm going to say I didn't know that he was going to be capable at this volume and at this, like, at this efficiency. Like he, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the wild part. No, that's the wild part. Cause yeah, like we always knew like, yeah, Jokic, like Jokic shoots when he wants to. And usually that's in late game situations in the playoffs in, in, in important matchups. Dog, he's shooting 40% from three right now on, uh, what is he? Yeah. He had 84 attempts. So it's about three or four game, which is, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane volume for, for big men. At the rim, you know, all of his all of his efficiency ranks on mid-range shots, 91st percentile all mid-range shots, uh 64% percentile around the rim, his effective field goal percentage, 73rd percentile. Like he's his efficiency is insane. And even when we talk about we, we already know how good of a passer <laughs> Nikolai Jokic, Jokic the Joker is, and his assist to usage ratio, which is basically like how much how how often do you get assists with the ball in your hands? Um considering how much the ball is in your hand. So it's basically like your assist percentage basically divided by your usage rating, which is like, all right, your assist percentage and how much is the ball in your hand? 98th percentile. So that's basically like compared to – like that, there's nobody else in the league who has the ball in their hands as much that's as efficient both scoring and now taking – and now passing. So, yeah, Jokic is on an insane level. And the fact that what he's doing right now isn't like a runaway MVP, it just, it just tells you how like – I mean the state of, of of where the game is right now because I think there's a lot of guys in that 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 mid tier level who 
And I think this is the interesting part about MVP because we're at this point with this stuff to where it's just like multiple guys can have MVP seasons. The the annoying part about why MVP is annoying to talk about for me personally is it becomes so narrative driven to where it's like not only do you need to put up the numbers that can be looked at as an MVP type stature, but you also need the you need the right story to break your way. You need the public siding to be on your you need the Rachel Nichols and the Ramona Shelburne's of the world to be on your side when when everything breaks. For when the vote comes, the narrative is on your side. So, a, and a, even right or wrong, it's a, it's a part of the, the voting. And you know, I think that's the wild part because we can. There's, there's probably five to five to six, five to seven guys who are having who are putting up MVP numbers who probably won't even sniff the top three of the MVP voting when it's said and done. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he should. I mean, if Denver turns it around, I think I think Jokic should be in he's the up conversation. There. He's up. I'm not saying he's definitely. Up there. But you know this is a narrative game, <laughs> and like if you you know if you just look at narratives like with Steph's like Steph's like his unanimous season, the MVP season, he's playing better this year than he did that season, right? And <laughs> we're not even hearing that Steph MVP talk this year, obviously. So it's just like it's it's all narratives. One person I do want to talk about a former Nugget who bet on themselves, Jeremy Grant out in Detroit. Detroit is awful as a basketball team, but Jeremy Grant is out here balling. Yeah, like, shout out to Jeremy I, Grant, man. yeah, I mean, I don't that I, we can leave it at that, but he's he's out here bowling. I just had to shout him out on the pod. Uh, who else? Who else are you looking at? I mean, I got people on my list like Sabonis and Christian Wood, but you know, Sabonis is an animal, and that's that. I don't know if that's a surprise to anybody, but he the numbers he's playing. Yeah, no, shout out to shout to Sabonis. Um, I mean, I think it's always interesting to look back at that Paul George trade. Um, and he, I mean, the, the Pacers traded all the depot, so. Is, there's even more like of we have more time to look at it, but if you get back, you get back. They got back, the Pacers got back Oladipo and who they ended up flipping, obviously, and Sabonis for Paul George. And it's not too many trades. I like looking back in the trades where you know it's always they always say if you're giving up the best player in this deal, you lost, which usually not times out of ten is the case. But yeah. I just think it had they have to they got to be saluted on that because people slandered them when they made that deal originally, and and like you said, Sabonis has, has turned into one of the best two way centers, point centers in the league. He makes some of the most like out of the nine Jokic class of centers who who are ridiculous passers. He's definitely yeah. in that next tier of, of of humans who just make insane reads, skip passes, passes behind their passes behind their head, all types of ridiculous stuff. That's a bonus does. Um, but yeah, getting getting back into you know just guys that we gotta talk about, and you know, we, we spoke about this before the season, um, with one with one Wardell Curry, but it, it does need to be said about how ridiculous his last 30 games have been. So it, it, over his last 30 games, one uh the light skinned assassin from from uh from, from Oakland, he's averaging 30 points, six rebounds, and six assists. Decent, yep. Um 50, 45, 91 splits. Decent. Um, his his effective field goal percentage is at sixty one percent, which is hundredth percentile, a percentile of his own. That's just that's that's Steph Curry range. Is the best, a best effective field goal percentage. Basically, that's accounting three point percentage into your field goal percentage, basically, um, which is just insane. Um, yeah, it's 48 percent from three, which is the best in the league over that span. Even at the rim, like I said, Steph doesn't get credit for for being for how good of a rim finisher he is, you know, I think I, I've said this before, not to, I mean, I don't really feel like getting into it, but my, my favorite stat, because whenever you get into this conversation about, about Steph first, uh, <laughs> Steph first Kyrie Irving, 
people say Kyrie is a better finisher, which I understand. Kyrie's one of the greatest finishers of all time. Aesthetically, he one of the, the greatest, like the, the finesse and the English that he puts on some of the, the the spins and the layups that he puts on the backboard is is nobody else does it like Kyrie. But if you're going off of like the numbers, literally just the numbers, you can't really argue with the numbers. And like I said, my favorite stat to look at if and the numbers right now is still settling, so let's not look at it from this year. But pick out anyone of the Steph Curry and the, the Kyrie <laughs> Kyrie Irving prime seasons finishing at the basket. And and Steph is as has percentage wise finished better at the basket every season and Steph than then Kyrie's worse. So like that's the that's the wild part. So basically pick out part of him. Pick out Kyrie's best season finish at the basket, and it's not better than Steph's worst season finish at the basket. So like I said, Steph doesn't get enough credit finish at the basket. And right now he's 69%, out over the last month, 69% at the rim. Um, you know, just one of the transcendent talent, Steph Curry, one of the greatest um offensive talents that we've ever seen and like you said he's in that mvp discussion and we're still we're still in the early stages to where this next month when we when we sit down and and talk about this next month that's when the real mvp guys are going to start you know uh making their way away from the pack in this next this next 30 game stretch um but yeah man steph curry got the league on alert right now and like you said he's playing better than his mvp season so it's gonna be interesting to see where he ends up um end the season for mvp so yeah, man. I mean, shout out, shout out to Steph. But I think we'd be remiss if we we also didn't talk about his brother, um, Steph Curry, who's also you know he he went down with COVID for a bit, but you know since he's been back, his shooting splits. I think right now, obviously, you know this this can't go on, but he hasn't missed a free throw yet, so he's at a hundred percent. I think I think he's shooting what fifty forty. I mean, I mean, you said it can't go on. It might, you know, it could. That's he could. says, "I'm not, I'm not so sure that it can't." Like that's just, that's just the, like I'm looking at his like shout out to clean the glass, um, for these numbers and like yeah, just looking at where he ranks in, <laughs> in the percentile stuff. Like going back, his he's never for a full season, he's never fell be- below 42 percent from three, <laughs> and that that's basically ninety six percentile like overall for for just shooting for for guards so like yeah man he's probably not gonna shoot 51 from 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 three but i'm not so sure how much lower it falls in that so yeah man Seth, Seth curry you know like he we we need we we just need that you know in a non-covid scenario just to see that shootout between him and him and steph and with the with the money on the line yeah now that that's gonna be something that i think we do we need that we we need to see that because them boys I mean, that's just God given right there. I mean, I guess not even because it's genetics. Because pops could, pops could, yeah, pops could shoot it too. But I mean, I will say to pivot just to switch on fantasy duds. And excuse my French for the listeners, but you know who fucking sucks this year, Andre Drummond. And I, I'm here to say, you know, when when the season started, like you said, he was out here partying. You know, he was taking pictures. <laughs> With about 15 young ladies next to him. Oh, more power to him, but he's not playing like Will. So he got to put down the Will shenanigans because he's shooting that. I think he's shooting like 43% at the rim or something. That's a seven-footer. I got to pull it up because I know I saw some I number about you. it. I got you. I got you. I got you. That, that shit had to make me. I, I almost threw up looking at it, bro. And I'm Drummond, like, Drummond, is shooting, Drummond is shooting 52% at the rim, which is for big men, that's, that's in the fifth percentile. That's in the fifth percentile. So, but yeah, like I said, I don't like I, I'm 
Dre Drummond is my guy, so I, I don't really like I don't do the bashing of, of of Andre Drummond, but you are not incorrect. And this is not a a recent issue for for one Dre Drummond. Like he has had this bugaboo around the rim for for some time. It just so happens if you can keep him from getting a dunk, you know, it's a good chance he's going to put up the inefficient like hook shot. Uh, but yeah, man, shout to he's still the greatest rebound I've ever seen in my eyes. So I, I won't for for fantasy purposes. You know, if if even even I think for fantasy purposes, he's always kind of underrated still, even when he doesn't play well, because you know you're getting the most rebounds. He only he leads the league in rebounding, you know. And if you build the right team around him, you can always like if you do build the right team around him, his free throws won't kill you as much if you don't put other guy other big men who suck at free throw shooting around him. So that's that's kind of the that's kind of the thing with Drummond. But but yeah, his his like and that's he when he plays motivated. You know, he he actually looks good. So I just want to see him on a on a team that like I you know I it's it's weird on me because I had this thought about me wanting to see him play with LeBron. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know why that 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 thought crossed my mind, but I I just want to see his next his next chapter on a on a team that has more talent that isn't expecting him to be like one of the one of the three main cogs. I think when he does get to that spot, you know, because I don't think anything he does is is necessarily about to age it terribly. Like you're gonna do what he does. Yeah. Well, I just I do think him getting on a good spot. Like, I want to see him in Boston as well. I think that would be pretty good for them. But yeah, shout out to. Shout I think to I think I think right now Clint Capella is leading the league in rebounds. If I recall, I think he's at like fourteen okay. or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I I, I do owe a team an apology. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, I do owe a team an apology. Um, the Utah Jazz, man. Like I I have the over on them. I took the under on them for sure. And yeah, that I, man, yeah, has been lit on fire already because yeah, I mean, hit that. God, yeah. like, like, I don't and like I, I don't. I'm watching the games. I still can't figure it out. I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of baffled as to how they're this good of a unit. But I mean, Jordan Clarkson, six man of the year currently. In my eyes, I don't know if there's anybody who would be pushing him for it right now. But Clarkson's been playing well. D. Mitch. Hasn't been playing like he played last year, but it, it seems a little bit more under control. And I mean, if Shaq's gonna I, I, keep, yo, that you see, I don't even, I would, I would, I would push back on that. I think he's, I think he's around the same level. Like I, even that, um, for Donovan, his last, his last thirty, last thirty days, he's at twenty five, five and five on forty six percent from the field, 45 percent from three, and eighty seven percent from the um from free throw line. So you know, that's a triple slash you want to see from somebody like Donovan. Um, like I said, he can. Don, Donovan, I think, and it's a it's a very fine line when we when we walk this path about flow wise flow wise for the game, and we talk about streaky volume shooters, which which Donovan can fall into if his if his shot isn't isn't dropping. You know, he doesn't get to the line at an elite level. I think right now, off the top of my head, I think he's at six or seven uh, free throws per game. Um, off the top of my head, I'd have to check that out. But but yeah, so I think I think with somebody like Donovan, since he doesn't get to the line, and you can look at it if we bring up somebody like who who's gotten that type of, you know, the the general malaise and just criticism that Trey Young has gotten over the over this season with his 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 foul baiting, you know, it's it's a fine line, bro. Because this is what I'm saying. It's like I I don't enjoy, and we can talk about the Harden thing, and I mean you're a Harden defender, so this is something you yeah. got you understand this then. 
like yeah. getting to the free throw line is is crucial. And we get to the advanced analytics. You talk about true shooting percentage, which is which um true shooting percentage is basically like it's it's your field goals plus uh your your free throws basically. So that that's when we talk about the the most efficient scores. It's why it's why Harden can can drop. He has those games where he had forty on like on like twelve shot attempts, and it's just like what. Like Trey yeah. Young does that to where like Trey Young gets to like 35 on like on like 15 attempts, and it's just like what? And then you look at the box score, and this is like 14 to 15 from the line. But this is what it is. Like when we talk about this, and it, it, it is Maury ball, you know, and that's that's kind of what it is, and it just shows you the importance. Tying that back into Donovan Mitchell, which is what I think takes him away from the elite of the elite. He doesn't have that 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 free throw bag in him yet, which is like, it doesn't really bother me like from his game. Cause I don't think that doesn't really change his floor game. If we're just watching, watching him game to game. But yeah, I think that's what keeps him out of that next elite class though. But yeah, he's, he's been balling though. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I mean like, you know, go, go bear gets that, that flat, you know, Shaq shits him too, you know, for that contract, but that defense is humming. Um, I think Royce O'Neal is playing well. I mean, Conley's hurt, nah, which I, is. I need you to respond to the to the to the Harden thing though, because the free throws like that's a major. People got a problem with that, and Trey Trey Young has. It's funny because it, I saw somebody tweet this and it, and it was correct. You know, I, I forget who who I have to credit this to, but you know, look, some people Trey Young did drop a little bit in the you know the eyes of some of the league when we talk about the young stars kind of because of the even even uh what was it that last, last night's game against the the Mavericks um where he he got he got fined from the league for he looked like a a, a huge crybaby look at does the same thing you know fair enough yeah. bygones be bygones we can just call we call it like we see it you know yeah he, he got he got he he was just a uh, whining and and complaining you know, when he just got bowled over by, I believe it was James Johnson on the screen, it was just like, bro, you, you're too small. It really wasn't even a foul. You just kind of like, it, it's, it's easy to throw Trey over like a paperweight, if you're being real. Yeah, I mean, I think with the free throw thing, like, like you said, I, I'm a defender of it, right? Like, I'm never upset with it's anyone. Hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's legitimately a skill. Like, being able to, to know the angles where to go, footwork, all of that to get fouled, like that, that's important, right? So any player that can add that to that bag, like they and they hit free throws at a high clip and an efficient clip, like you you're these are free points at that point, right? So somebody like Harden, you know, who can shoot 80% plus at the free throw line, and then he gets fouled 15 times a game, like he gets 15 free throws, like that's free points. Trey Young, he's one of those guys too. Like, and somebody like Donovan Mitchell. Because he's such a streaky shooter, if that's an act that he adds to his game, his scoring goes to another level. Like, you're not going to be sitting there like, damn, D. Mitch disappeared this game because he can't hit a shot. Because, nah, he's going to be able to get fouled. So think it's just like. Too. Think about that, too. And, like, you know, the game gets officiated differently in the playoffs. So that's kind of the problem with the Harden thing. Because you you see when they start swallowing that whistle and you're not getting the same calls you got in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the regular season, it looks completely different when – and it looks, and I think that's part of the reason why. And even like, even even with somebody like Harden, sometimes why when it's not dropping, and you can tell he's flailing, or he's trying to he's trying to do that, uh, he's trying to catch the he's trying to hook the arm on his three point shot to get that three point call. And when you don't get that call, it just looks like bad basketball. And aesthetically, yeah. that's why people start groaning, and it's just like, dude, what are you what are you doing? This is not this is not basketball and to the point. It's really not. That's not. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> that part of the game but it just kind of is what it is i mean 
Yeah, I, it doesn't look good, right? And I, I've been fighting that fight for a while. Like it doesn't look at, at, when it doesn't work, it's the worst thing to look at, and people will will crucify you for it. And and up to it, you know, it hasn't worked for Harden in the terms of he hasn't gotten to a championship. Like he hasn't won a championship. He wins one ring, it changes everything, right? So it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, now, but you can also see him now. He's playing a different way with the Nets, right? He's literally their de facto point guard. So it's it's like you know Harden has Harden is an interesting player, and we could talk about Harden for an episode. But it's just like I think from the the playoffs, I do think he has to figure out a way to play through that. You know, if you're not gonna get that call now, put, go downhill because you nobody can stop you. You're strong as hell. You got a handle. You can finish at the rim. Just go downhill. You'll get fouled down there. So, I mean, I think that's the only the change I'd want from Harden, a little less threes. And I think, you know, even on this next team, he's going to have way more spacing. There's way better players around him. He's going to be fine. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, up next, I, I, I guess we can we can wrap it up. You know, we we've talked a lot of, of round ball today. I mean, the only thing left on my on my mind right now is probably these these Twitter shenanigans. You know, but the entertainment part of our sports and entertainment podcast. And I don't, I know you haven't been on the timeline as late, but you know we had a gorilla glue incident that we got to talk about. And shorty, uh, yeah, I don't know Floyd, how. Yeah, Floyd, Floyd's yours, bro. Because I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't first, know first how. First of all, like I, I think let's let's. Let, if we just talk about the the items and the childhood appliances that are just laying around the crib, because that super glues that that gorilla glue is definitely on it. Like you, I, like I've yeah. passed the gorilla glue, and you get ideas. You're like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what we can do with this. Some point, stuck together a little bit. That shit. Yeah, once you yeah, do that, we, we've all this is, we've done that with the crazy glue. Like we've all we all live the same childhood. You know, that's not <laughs> it's not necessarily surprising. But yeah, to, to, like what exactly? For the for the for the listeners who don't aren't familiar with the gorilla glue incident, I mean, so there's you know this this young lady of, of African American descent. She she was doing her hair, and I believe she was out of whichever whichever hair product that keeps the the edges down, the the hair down. I I, forget, I know there's one she called Gorilla Snot. I think that's what it's called that keeps like your edges down and keeps your your ponytail down. Everything really where it's supposed to be. Shorty was out of that. She read the label on the Gorilla Glue, and it never said anything about hair. So she she put in her hair. Her hair did exactly what you thought it would do because Gorilla Glue is, is permanent. Like, it's one of those things where you put Gorilla Glue on something, you it's there for the long haul. So for a month straight, she would, she would put shampoo in her hair. It would never get through. Everything is stuck on the top. So she had to go to the emergency room. She went to the emergency room. They tried to put acetone in her shit. It did not come out. She had to get uh, shout out to this doctor. So uh, doctor, he's African doctor. He got it. He got it out for her. I think today TMZ was there, of course. Um, she's she like I, I, it's just things like that where you sometimes you you really sit there and you forget how dumb humanity is. And Twitter is the perfect place to to remind you of such a thing. And I, I think the last topic, honestly, we that I, I just want to 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 bridge or, or or touch touch upon is. You know, free Laura London from the shackles of you fucking heathens on the timeline. She don't owe nobody anything. Um, we got to stop policing the women's bodies. Like, you know, if she she's not pregnant, but if she was, congrats to her. You know, rest in peace to Nip. Hopefully the person she's with is helping her heal. 
but that's none of our business. Um, Yo, the fact the fact that like, cause yeah, especially especially with something like a traumatic, you know, uh, like somebody who, like we all have traumatic things that happen to you, but especially like losing your man like that and and, and being in the public eye is a lot to begin with. So like you know like. Like you said, like it's it's about policing these people, but it's like as soon as those like little rumblings and rumors started floating around, it's just like you knew exactly what it was gonna be. It's just like, yo, these people on the internet, like first of all, I think one of the craziest things about like let's call it if you're gonna call yourself an internet veteran, you've been on the internet for a while. Like, what do I consider an internet veteran? It's just like dog, you gotta know how to parse between what's fake and what's not like you can't everything you see is not gospel everything you not see is going to be truthful there's a lot of spin there's a lot of there is a lot of fake news out there that you do have to you do have to avoid but then it's just like bro as soon as that rumor is just like dog y'all are gonna run with this and make this into whole type of shenanigans yo and like i can only imagine imagine just searching your twitter name and it's just like dog you see that you see how the how the live makes like 50 laps before we even get to the truth that's the wild part yeah yeah, and I mean, it, it's crazy. You know, and I, that's what I'm saying. I wish she didn't have to address it either. Like, she came on the timeline and addressed it, and it's just one of those things where she shouldn't have to. And and at the end of the day, like, you know, Nip is gone, and people told about she not, like, she she can't be faithful to, to someone who's dead, right? Like, it's just one of those things where I understand that this was big as idols, you know, whatever, but, like, that has nothing to do with you. She has a life to live. And you know that's that's basically where I want to leave it at that. But you know, shout out shout out to Lauren London. Um, hope you do it all right with your fine ass, and and we'll leave it at that. But um, this this has been this has been the draft season podcast. You know, we'll be back. You know, really diving into it. We got a lot of content coming for y'all in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we thank y'all for rocking with us, and we'll check y'all later. Man.